This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, so it's 20 to midnight and um, I've just finished listening to Steve Parrish on Talk sports, um, rather refreshingly coming out and saying that Wilfred Zaha is absolutely not for sale at any price, um, especially not for the 12 million that Spurs definitely did bid. Um, so, this was well, what you're about to hear was recorded before Steve Parrish went on Talk Sport. Typical modern day media, it's out of date as soon as you've done it. Um, I go on a little bit of an impassioned rant at one point. Um, I think the point still stands um, because, you know, Parrish only committed to this transfer window that Zaha wouldn't be leaving and so on. So it still stands, but like I say, it was nice to hear Steve come out and absolutely categorically say that the the rumour, although true, he's not going to be leaving the club. Homestyle Radio Preview Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel.co.uk, the next generation of fantasy football. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Homestyle Radio Preview Podcast, episode three, where we will be discussing the upcoming bottom of the table clash against Bournemouth. It would also be rude not to touch on our win over Blackpool, as, well, it was a win. And at the moment, I'll take one of those however they come. Joining me on tonight's show, we have one person making now a second appearance on the Homestyle Radio Preview Podcast and a Preview Podcast debut. Firstly, welcome Lucy for your second appearance. Hello. Hey, Terence. And Tom Fancett for your debut. Welcome, Tom. Welcome. Thank you. Now, we know that Miss White loves a quiz, so we're going to start with a little one here. Bear in mind that that this is Lucy White, the darts player, who once answered on Homesdale Radio Quiz that the fewest number of darts required to win a leg was 21. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it's 21 darts for you, Lucy, but the actual answer is what my German girlfriend says to me whenever I try to touch her below the waist. Nine. As Lucy is earning her second cap on the show tonight, I'm going to give you a multiple choice question. Which one of these three players made two appearances for Crystal Palace, Lucy? Was it Alex Nimley, Jason Banton, or Nicola Ventola? What was the first one again? 
Alex Nimley. Banton. Care to hazard a guess, Tom? I think it was Ventola, wasn't it? One game injured, one game when he came back. The answer is, of course, Alex Nimley, who currently <laughs> plies his trade in the Romanian Liga 1 for Vitorul Constanta, who are owned by none other than the great Georgie Hadji. Back to the show running order, and we will be discussing Steve Mandanda, Christian Benteke, and the rest of the Palace lineup. And as always, we will be talking to the opposition. This week, we will hear from Cherry Michael Dunn of the All Departments podcast on exactly what we can expect from Eddie Howe's men before ending on our panellists' predictions. With the introduction out of the way, all that is left for me to say is that you should remember to subscribe to both of our podcasts by visiting holradio.net forward slash subscribe. Every picture tells a story. Keep up to date with ours on Instagram at Homestale Radio. So, we will start with a mini-review of the Blackpool game in which Palace picked up a first win of the season, scoring a goal in either half to down the League 2 outfit. Scott Dan's deflected shot gave Palace a lead on 25 minutes, scoring the Eagles' first goal in the opening 45 minutes of a game at Sellers Park since Emmanuel Adebayor headed us in front against Watford way back on the 13th of February, a mere six months and ten days ago. Connor Wickham added a second just two minutes after the break with an emphatic finish off the underside of the crossbar. Let him hard you know in the process that he's not prepared to give up his place too easily to Christian Benteke. Now, I would like to ask the opinions of our illustrious panel, but Lucy actually decided to go to Northampton against West Brom. I hope to be Tony Pulis. Her opinion, as of such, on the match is about as valid as Katie Hopkins' opinions on, well, anything really. <laughs> My thoughts are that we clearly have signed a world-class goalkeeper. Steve, as the crowd dubbed him, uh, he's commanding, playing several crosses with ease, and his passing is better than most of our outfield players. On top of that, his distribution from his hands is expert, and on many occasions, he set us away on a quick counter, something that should suit our pacey wingers throughout the season. Christian Benteke's first half cameo summed up quite simply by he got a header on target from across from open play. If he can do that for the whole season, he will score goals. Well, assuming we don't sell all of our wingers. Um, we should have probably gone on to win by... Uh, but our players coming through unscathed at the moment, I think that's the best that we can hope for in a game of that stature. Of course, the draw also took place for the third round of the Cup, and would you know it, we've drawn Southampton away in Cup competition for the third season running. I feel like I've taken more trips to St Mary's in the past few seasons than Johnny Williams has taken trips to see the physio. Tom, you were actually at the game. Um, does that pretty much sum it up, or anything stand out for you? Yeah, I think you've got a pretty succinct uh, summation of the game there. Uh, normally, I sit in the the Homestead stand, but I thought I'd treat myself for the uh, the glorious opposition of Blackpool, and I actually got a seat in the Glaziers this time. Um, so it was nice to have a sort of different view of the pitch. Um, Benteke, first of all, I suppose. Yeah, start with the new signing. Um, as you say, he looked lively. He had a header on target very early on. I think first first couple of minutes and a half. Um, straight straight at the keeper, unfortunately, but it was a it was a sign of promise. And, uh, it's yeah, an effort he'll... on target, Tom. It is an effort on target. Exactly, which is more than we've uh, we've mustered in some games previously. Yeah, it, it was it was looking very positive. Um, he had one 
opportunity from about 10 yards out. We couldn't really get his feet settled and um, and, and scuffed it. So, you know, hopefully with a bit more match practice, he should be uh, he should be raring to go. The I, I thing I found really strange about Pardew's post-match talking about him and sort of saying, oh, you know, he's not he's not uh, he's not up to fitness yet, is the fact that every other Liverpool player or person who's been aware of Klopp's preseason seems to think that it's been very grueling and all their other players are ready. So it, it strikes me that someone who's experienced that compared to our our own preseason, um, which by Pardew's own admission doesn't seem to have. I've got all of our players match ready yet. I, it, I find it odd that they've they've described that as a as not ready yet, but I guess it's maybe team chemistry and bonding with that. No, I thought weirdly the game felt a bit more like a preseason than the rest of our preseason matches this year. Um, sort of like that final stage where everyone's just approaching fitness and um, yeah, yeah. We've got Mandanda or Mondonda yeah. as we should be saying. Mondonda, yes, as we she should be saying. Um, it was a he, his appearance was was absolutely fantastic. Everything you wanted from a goalkeeper, ticking the boxes. Um, very first shot he had, he did he did spill, and he you know it was a small sort of oh god not again. We got another Wayne Hennessy um, from the fans, but he completely redeemed himself after that, leaping for every sort of cross, claiming the ball. If he does have a language barrier, he, it didn't seem to prove any problems with a with the way he was playing on Wednesday night. That quick release as well, I, that's something we've not had for quite a few seasons, not since probably going back to the championship, really. Um, I, I'm quite sad that we don't have Yannick anymore, you know, because just imagining him sort of bombing onto one of those balls forward would have been a, quite a lethal attacking option, especially Saturday in Bournemouth, where I think we could have quite a bit of luck, you know, with the uh, with the counter-attacking Yes, well, I Elements. think we have to hope that um, Andros Townsend can pick up the Yannick Balassi baton, as it was. Let's talk about the next round. Lucy, briefly, should we play the kids or is Pardew going to be gunning for Wembley again? Uh, well, he said it himself, didn't he? Like, he, he wants to go for a cup. So I think he'll just, I think he'll do what he did on Tuesday, play a, a full strength squad. I don't see why he shouldn't. You know, it's, we want success in any capacity. So why not pay the team that, is going to make sure that we get to where we want to be. Okay, so you think we're going to make it three wins out of three down on the coast? I hope so. It's always fun to beat Southampton. <laughs> All right, well, excellent stuff. Look, we are going to be back after this short jingle discussing the potential Palace lineup. Homestyle Radio Preview Podcast, sponsored by fanduel.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. Right, we'll start with the lineups. I've already raved about Mondonda's performance in the week. Surely, Lucy, this is the time for him to make his first Premier League appearance. Or is Pardew going to persist on inflicting Wayne Hennessy on our eyes? No, I think Steve will uh, finally make his Premier League debut. Hopefully. I think he, um, he proved on Tuesday. I know I wasn't there. But followed it on Twitter, obviously read post-match talk and what have you. So I think he's sort of proved himself. And I think he, we need a change between the sticks, really. I think mm. Hennessy has had enough ch- chances to to be in that position. And, you know, Mondonda's definitely an improvement on him. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's certainly proven to be better statistically. So, yeah. Now is his time to shine. Uh, okay, all right. Let's move into the defence. Tom, 
Damien Delaney left White Hart Lane with a boot on, one of those big medical things, um, and is probably likely to miss out this weekend. James Tompkins will obviously be his natural replacement. Do you think Tompkins' ball plan style will suit us more than the famous Damo diagonal? I, I do think Damo offers a lot. I mean, uh, it's nothing as nice than seeing, you know, him just desperately trying to get forward. It's nice to see that sort of intent from a, a centre-back every now and then. Um, you know, him, finding him up almost on the halfway line, getting a nosebleed. It's, uh, it's been a sight we've seen and got used to many times over the last couple of seasons. Um, Tomkins, I think, will be an adequate replacement. More more than that, I think, in the way Pardew wants to play, having someone who's a bit more confident on the ball will be will be very useful. Um, ironically, those big lofty balls are something that Ben Teke would probably benefit from uh, if he was to be playing. But I think that's how Pardew wants to evolve the team, moving moving away from that style. Um, my only concern with Tomkins, really, is he seemed to uh, show this a bit on um, uh, on the midweek game, was he seemed to get very, very tight to the players he was defending and got turned a couple of times there. With a bit more pace in the Bournemouth lineup, I'm wondering if he's going to um, potentially get caught out by that. But only time will tell, I guess. Mm, I think that's um, the interesting point about Ben Teke, though. I think we need to avoid punting the ball long to Ben Teke. I think we need to try and play through the middle to utilise him best. Kind of like we did when we got promoted in the championship, playing the ball through the middle, into Murray, out to the wingers, and then get into the box. So I think mm. is. um the best way we're going to have to utilise Ben Teke. Um, I think Tom, having Tompkins and Dan at the back will probably um, work well with a midfielder, James McArthur and Johan Kabaya, because um, I thought there was flashes of it on Tuesday night. Nice little triangles being created between one of the centre-backs and the two midfielders. And just having that option of a shorter pass um, should enable us to play this well to the start of expansive football that Pardew wants to play. Do you think uh, that's the end of uh, Damo now? Do you think that's his, his last start bar injuries? or? Uh, I don't think so, because I think there's going to be games, um, which is much the same reason why I wanted to keep Jednak, when we're going to be in the trenches and we're going to be camped out on the edge of our own 18-yard line and we're going to need someone with their sort of spirit to... You know, just be smashing centre forwards around. So, nope, I think Damo still has a lot to offer this season. Um, but I think at home, Pardew's going to want to play Tompkins as much as possible to um, embed that passing style that he wants. Uh, let's move up top. Lucy, does Ben Teke start or as Wickham's goal against Blackpool? Is he going to keep his place because of that? Um, no, I think Ben Teke will start. You don't spend thirty-two million on a player to put him on the bench. And this is, this is Alan Pardew, though. He's a strange man. Uh, well, yeah, but um, obviously Wickham proved that maybe coming off the bench is is more his strength because he scored what was it two minutes after he came on. It did indeed. So unless he goes for two up front, there's always that option. So there is. Um, I think I've said on Sunday's show. Um, Wickham, when he scored all of these goals at Sunderland, uh, showed that he can play off of the second striker and get in behind and score some goals. So um, it will be interesting to see, but I agree. I think Ben Teke is likely to start. Um, Marouane Schmack's hairdresser probably <laughs> has an easier time hiding the Moroccan's receding hairline than I've had trying to guess at Alan Pardew's starting lineups recently. But I'm going to hazard a guess. I think we will start with Mondondering goal. 
Um, I'd be very surprised to see Hennessy come back in after the Frenchman's performance. It'll be Tompkins and Dan with Soiree and Ward completing the back four. Kabaya and James McArthur in the centre and mid, replacing Lee and Ledley. I think Punchin will move in behind Christian Benteke and Saha and Townsend will be down the flanks. Current squad-wise, I think this is probably our best starting eleven, especially around the expansive brand of football that Pardew wants to play. Before we move on to the Bournemouth view, I would like to address a couple of the transfer rumours that have popped up. Firstly, Jermaine Defoe to Palace. Gel of the Homesdale Radio Parish was vehemently arguing that we should have signed him firstly when he went to, to Toronto and then to Sunderland. Should we be trying to gain his signature this time around, Tom? Well, um, whilst Gel may have been ahead of the times of our interest in a Mr. Defoe, he was also the same person who suggested that a group of old ladies should be reviewing cards and decisions by referees at the FA. So forgive me if I don't take all his footballing knowledge as gospel. Um, should we be signing Defoe? Well, no, personally. I think if we're signing a striker and spending the money we will be on wages, we want to be looking at someone with resale value. That's been the the MO from 2010, ever since they've come in. Defoe does not have that. He's, what, 34, 35 now? He's getting on in the years. And I think, you know, paying such a big fee, which Sunderland will want, because he's only recently signed a new deal, and then the wage on top of that, it's just not worth it for a single season. Okay. Lucy, would you like Defoe in a Palace shirt? Ah, I think if we signed him, I think, you know, he would be a good signing because he's a proven goal scorer. And, you know, that is definitely something that we've been lacking. But, you know, there might be other options, slightly younger options. You know, I'm not an ageist, but, you know, <laughs> we'd, we'd be signing him and probably only see him for, what, maybe one, two seasons. Um, I think we, I think he would be a good signing for us, but I think we can improve on him, really, in, in reality. Thank you for saying you're not an ageist, because I'm pretty sure Jermaine Defoe is in the same school year as me. Um, personally, with Ben Teke and Wickham, who both have recent injury problems, and Fraser Campbell being our only striker on the book, I think we need to probably add one, maybe even two. My preference would be Lloyd Remy on the grounds that there's already an understanding there between him and Pardew and yeah. him and Kabaya. Uh, but I'd be disappointed. I wouldn't be disappointed, sorry, if Defoe did come through the door. Despite his age, I think he still knows where the back of the net is. And goals, as you said, Lucy, is what we have been lacking. OK. Take a deep breath. The big <gasps> transfer news of the day. Wilfred Zaha, two spurs for £15 million. Um, What do we think, Tom? Is this his agent just trying to get him a new contract? Or do you think there's a little bit more substance to it? I can only hope so. I mean, when this rumour started doing the rounds earlier today, um, it was immediately derived as sort of, you know, our Daily Mail making stuff up again or, you know, laughed at. But as it's gone on, the sort of other sources confirming or writing similar with better uh, reference points, it, it seems to be this. It's more than a, a kernel of no truth in this matter. Um, I don't want to lose Wilf. I can understand why he would maybe be trying to push for this for wage parity. Uh, we saw Yannick Balassi use a similar tactic a couple of times during the final two years of his stay. And uh, both times he ended up getting rewarded with new deals. So maybe there's something in that. 
I, I just don't see how he'd get into the Spurs squad, really. He's he's a good player, but I think they probably got better options on the wing. So uh, it, it strikes a funny one. You know, it's not one that their fans really want. It's not one that we want want to lose him. So I, I don't know. I just hope it's hope it's all paper talk, really. OK, Lucy, you looked at Will's Instagram post from earlier that said, people pleasing is another pointless mental activity. Striving to gain the approval of others only means that you don't believe in yourself. And that resonance is a compelling obstacle to success. Um, it baffles me that Wilf Zaha would know what that means. Um, this had you worried. Why did this have you worried? Because, you know, I think... I mean, that, that could literally refer to anything. But in the context of what's going on, maybe it's a dig at Pardew. I don't know. Um, I don't want Wilf to go. He, he belongs in a palace shirt. He's like, he's the equivalent of our Stevie G. Like, he needs to stay with us till the end of time. And that's why it concerned me that he's not happy. And if Wilf's not happy, then I'd rather he stayed than maybe people higher up. Yes. Um, well, look, Don Firefield in The Guardian has put my mind at rest a little bit. Um, but if it does prove to be true, and Zaha was to depart for White Hart Lane, especially for a fee as little as 15 million. I think I'll definitely have to start questioning what we're trying to do as a club. Mm. We're told we're told from above to shed the underdog mentality, yet we cannot stave our so-called bigger clubs when they come knocking, uh, with the likes of Everton taking Balassi and Spurs. Is this not the sort of club that we're supposed to be aligning alongside to become that sort of level? Look, Wilfred Zaha and players like him and the reason that Crystal Palace claimed me back in the mid-90s. It started with Clinton Morrison and continued with the likes of Hayden Mullins, Ben Watson and Nathaniel Klein and so on. Homegrown players are a part of the soul of the club, mm. the soul that Pardew loves to bang on about. If Zaha was to leave, I would have to seriously question my desire to spend thousands of pounds a year following Crystal Palace up and down the country. In the process, alienating myself and my friends and family as I miss wedding after birthday, after christening and so on. I make those sacrifices now because I believe in my club and see every game as just as important as a wedding and a birthday. But if I can no longer believe in the club, I'm not sure that I should continue to make those sacrifices. It's never been about winning trophies for me or playing in a top flight while standing in a 40,000-seat stadium. It's about the soul of our club, the homegrown players, community, and an in-it-together mentality, regardless of whether we're playing Brazil or Tulse Hill. Selling Zaha would mean that the board, Pardew, or both, misunderstands what our soul means or is prepared to sacrifice it for, sacrifice it for success. Either way, it is already, they are already precariously balanced on this perch, and a move like this would be enough, for me at least, for it all to come tumbling down. Signing Benteke is exciting, but I would take one Wilf Zaha over ten Bentekes any day of the week. And if the club can no, under, no longer understand that view, then maybe for me it would be time to take a step away from the club. Get in touch with the show. All of our contact details can be found at holradio.net forward slash contact. Right. It's now time for me to get down off my soapbox. Um, let us hear from Michael Dunn of the All Departments podcast. And first up, we asked Michael well, how we can expect Bournemouth to set up on Saturday afternoon. 
Well, Eddie Howe, the manager, is totally committed to his um, his style of football, which is the passing game, um, and it has served him well. Uh, but it's harder to pull off in the Premier League. But we'll definitely continue with that. Um, in terms of the formation, um, we played one up front at home against Man United. Didn't really work out. It beat us. Uh, he played two up front against West Ham. It was a pretty dire game. West Ham nicked it at the end. We had a player sent off Harry Arthur. After about 15 minutes left, it kind of changed the tide of the game, really. Um, but I'd expect him to go two up front in this one. I think that, well, both teams, I think Palace as well, will be looking at this fixture as one where they can get their season, their, their Premier League season started. And uh, yeah, I'd expect Eddie to be going for the win. One all. We also asked whether Michael thinks Bournemouth can earn a repeat of last season's come-from-behind victory. Um, I don't know. I mean, both teams have had a pretty disappointing start to the season. Although that said, uh, a little bit of positive light is cast upon both clubs after the League Cup in midweek, um, but not anything that I think will have a particular bearing on this game. Um, I'm hoping that we're going to at least get a point. We haven't got any yet. Uh, we won at Crystal Palace last season. I think it was in February. might have been the end of January. Uh, another important result that kept us up. Uh, you've had a pretty terrible time of it, I think, in the back end of last season. And also, obviously, you haven't started brilliant this season. So, I mean, it'd be nice to think we could win again, but I think I'll probably go for a draw. Maybe something like one all. We asked Michael his thoughts on former Crystal Palace striker and, dare I say, legend, Glenn Murray. Yeah, it never really took off for Glenn Murray. Uh, he arrived, I mean, Eddie had coveted him for a couple of transfer windows. He was linked with us. and um, But in the end, he, he looked slightly like a panic buyer, although he didn't really have any choice because we lost Callum Wilson, our main source of goals, or he was in the championship uh, early last season, just before the transfer window shut or maybe maybe just afterwards. But anyway, Glenn Murray suddenly became, instead of the kind of supporting striker, maybe a bit more of a target man to play with Wilson, who had pace and goals, he became the go-to guy uh, for goals and, and for everything. And I mean, he's a good player. He's got goals. He hasn't got a great deal of pace, as you know. Um, but, you know, got a lot of good attributes. And not long after he arrived, maybe in the first six weeks, he... Allegedly, or you know, it was rumoured that he turned up late on game day. Uh, I think he was still living maybe out towards Brighton or London, Sussex, somewhere like that. And uh, he was delayed and he turned up late and, and he, didn't, he didn't make the squad. He, you know, he, he wasn't even on the bench that day. I can't remember who we were playing. Um, and after that, it, it, it just, there was just constant you know, little rumours probably most of which we've seen that must foundation that he wasn't that happy. It wasn't going that well between him and the manager. And, um, you know, this sort of basically unsettled and the move wasn't really working out. That said, he did score um, some important goals, most memorably the one that he, he netted in. Uh, well, it looked a little clumsy, but no one was complaining uh, against Chelsea when we beat them. I mean, if, it, if anything, he'll always be remembered for that because that was a, a huge and, you know, somewhat historic result for us. But then once we signed Benica Fobe from Wolves in the transfer window. I'm pretty sure uh, Demo didn't start another league game after that. I remember him scoring at Birmingham in the FA Cup, which must have been 
around the time we signed a foe base. I think that was the third round, maybe the fourth round. Um, yeah, and he never really featured in the team very much after that. He was, he was quite often on the bench and didn't come on. And uh, I don't think anyone was surprised when he, when he went back to Brighton on loan. So going forward, um, he's not a spring chicken. He's an old dynamic, 33, 34. I think that I'd be surprised if uh, he does come back and uh, stakes claim for a place in the Bournemouth team. That's actually really interesting there from Michael, the way he talks about Glenn being a bit unprofessional, which echoes the thoughts of Dougie Friedman when we talked to him at the end of last season on our Homestyle Radio podcast. Finally, Michael talks about his respect for Crystal Palace as a former West Norwood resident. I was just going to say about the Palace fans. I mean, it's uh, an... Um... A strange existence being in the Premier League. We've come up from the lower leagues, as you know, um, and it's all been uh, a lot of fun in recent years in terms of climbing the leagues, uh, particularly on the back of a long history, uh, especially in the last 15 to 20 years of frequent brushes with administration and liquidation. Um, and you get into the Premier League, and it's almost be careful what you wish for because you become part of this big corporation. And, uh, you know, a lot of uh, clubs are, I mean, the big clubs are now um, populated the stadiums by people who, well, it's not that they're not genuine fans, it's just that perhaps their, their interest in the clubs have come off the back of the club's fame as opposed to it being, you know, the kind of local thing. And Palace have very much, uh, you know, kept that spirit alive, it seems to me, and I hope we can continue that, our club and also the fans. The Palace seem to be very much, uh, you know, doing their bit in terms of making sure that the, the, the club and, you know, football kind of holds on to its soul somehow and and uh, the ticket prices and, and all the rest of it and, you know, the sort of nonsense you have with kick-off times and television and transfer windows. And, <clears throat> yeah, I've always um, I lived in uh, um, West Norwood for a year and uh, I've always sort of had a little, little bit of affection for... Palace and the other thing I admire the most is certainly the, uh, the way the fans have, have kept it real as it were. Thank you to Michael Dunn of the All Departments podcast much appreciated fella. Before we start to look at our opponents let's take a look at some of the stats. Hey listen here, it's the attack of the stats it's the stat attacks Okay Palace boast 22 wins against Bournemouth, the first coming in 1925 when Bournemouth were known as Bournemouth and Boscombe Athletic. However, the Cherries lead the head-to-head with 28 wins. 16 draws make up the 66 games in which the two sides have competed. Both sides' biggest wins against each other is 6-1. Bournemouth thumping us in May 1926 before a George Clark hat-trick inspired Palace to victory by the same scoreline in February of 1928. Last season, the two sides met at Dean Court on Boxing Day and played out a Dow 0-0 draw before the return match. Just five weeks later, saw Bournemouth earn a 2-1 victory at Sellers Park. Brace yourself, Palace fans. The last time that we managed to beat Bournemouth was way back in April of 1988, when 2-0 Redfern penalties and a Mark Bright strike in the last minute saw Sir Steve Copple's 10-man Palace beat Harry Redknapp's side. Tom and Lucy, another little quiz question. Which former Crystal Palace manager played centre-back for the Cherries in that match in 1988? Silence. I like it. Um, can I have a clue? Nope. 
1988. That's your clue. I don't know. Uh, Steve Bruce. Steve Bruce. <laughs> that's a, not a bad shout considering he was a centre back. Tom, you're too slow. It was actually Tony Pulis. Oh, I was going to say Tony Popovic. <laughs> in researching these stats, I actually found out that Tony Pulis's middle name is Richard, proving that. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! No, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. He has always been a dick. I thought he was Judas. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so, Lucy, 38 years since we last beat Bournemouth. I nearly said West Brom there, talking about Tony Pulis. Surely. 28. 28. 20, 28. Can I not count? Well, isn't it, it's my birthday, April. <laughs> so. You know, I, I would say you know how old you are. Um, I would say take this out, but don't leave it in. 28 years. Sue me. Don't tell anyone that I'm an analyst. My boss will sack me. <laughs> so, Lucy, 28 years. Is it about time we beat Bournemouth? Uh, absolutely. Why wouldn't we? They're worse <laughs> off than us at the minute, so I think we can. Okay, good stuff. Um, right, Tom, you um, spent the time talking to Michael in the interview there. Um, what was his thoughts on um, how Bournemouth are going to try and beat us on the weekend? Well, Michael seemed optimistic that they could get a point, but I, he didn't seem to be too confident of, of, of the win. Um, I think to some Bournemouth fans, and I don't want to sort of you know tie everyone with the same brush, but there seems to be the, the opinion. Obviously, Palace have been in the league a couple of years longer. They're the quote unquote bigger club of the of the two, so more likely to win on the day. That said, to lose to Bournemouth, there's something very palacey about it. Uh, it's all <laughs> smacks of, you know, a championship loss to Scunthorpe on a Tuesday night. Um, the, obviously, I think they've got a, a couple of threats up front. I think they can uh, they can really get stuck in, in the middle of the park, which I think we, uh, we, well, we, can, we can pass well, but it's whether we get sucked into their game or whether we, we dictate the play. I know there's a move by Pardew to do that and move more towards that. But whether we will on the day remains to be seen. Um, I think we've got the potential. We've definitely got the players to beat them. It's just whether we're firing on all cylinders. Uh, Benteke, do you think we'll be starting? I'd imagine so. Being taken off at half, half time, what do you reckon? Yeah, no, I definitely think he will be starting. And I, th- I think we've got it in us to beat them. Um, Michael, also some very kind words there about Palace fans. Um, I was, I was going to say a fondness, but probably more respect is what you said. So... Um, do you think we can make a Palace fan out of him? 
No, I think he's uh, I think he's Bournemouth through and through. But it's uh, <laughs> it's nice to hear the complimentary side from other fans. Um, you know, I think and I think on the day, you know, as as has been said before, you know, the the Homestyle fanatics and the rest of the crowd, you know, when we actually get in behind the team and make a lot of noise, it can really drive them on. Hopefully, um, given the poor start to the season, we can really you know get behind the boys and cheer them to victory. But I, I, I just hope we don't concede early on because, you know, I, I could see that happening and the sort of the grumbles coming back in the stands and then that not really being the sort of moral backing, uh, not moral, morale boosting backing that we uh, we need. Yes. Pick up on on what said. Sorry, Terence. Like, no, I right. think there's so much negativity at the minute. Like, it, we've just gone up and down. So there was all this negativity between the signings that we made early in the transfer window right up until Ben Teke was finally announced. Then almost Ben Teke was announced and all of a sudden everybody's like going mental again. Like, you know, social media has got a lot to answer for. And I think when we get to the ground on Saturday, the fans need to forget everything that's going on, concentrate on the actual game and back in the boys that are going to be on the pitch and just get that win. Because, you know, we are the 12th man. And the boys need to see that we're still backing them, regardless of what's going on, regardless of what the press is saying, regardless of what we think they're thinking. We just need to show our support and get the job done. Mm-hmm. Very well said. Um, he's talking about Glenn Murray there as well. Um, it's very interesting when that great chat we had with Dougie Friedman at the back end of last season that you can still scroll back through your Homestyle Radio podcast and find. Um, Freeman talked about when Glenn Murray came in, he was unprofessional at first, and he talked about how he dealt with Glenn Murray's unprofessionalism. Um, it seemed to have creeped in a bit of Bournemouth there as well, but kind of a bit of, you know, he scored some big goals for them as well. Um, the winner at um, Stamford Bridge obviously springs to mind. Um, are you happy that he isn't playing against us this weekend, Tom, now that he's departed for those who shall not be named? Well, only as much as I've got a paranoia that every time Palace play against an ex-player, they're more than likely to score. You know, even back to the days of Leon McKenzie, I'm sure he scored more goals against us than he actually did for us. Steve Cabra is another one that springs to mind as well, going going back as well. I um, would take I would take a game against any line led by Calvin Andrew and fancy yeah. our chances. <laughs> yeah, well, you never know. That'll probably be the day he gets four. Uh, um, I think Bournemouth have got some very good attacking options. Um, Benekophobia on his day is capable of more than enough. And you know, scored Jordan, the winner against us last year. Exactly. And uh, Jordan Ibe has got a lot of potential. So if he uh, if he's on on form or on on point, as the kids say, uh, on Saturday, then uh, they could they could pose a serious threat. Um, I think we just have to be, you know, have confidence in ourselves as, as a team, keep sticking to our game plan. And, uh, you know, if, if it doesn't go well early on, if we don't get that early goal, which, as you pointed out earlier, has not been a, a regular feature over the last 12 months or so. Um, but if, if it doesn't go to plan straight away, just don't panic. Keep persevering, keep persevering, keep getting that ball into Benteke. And hopefully uh, we'll do the business. I mean, that would be the ideal thing, wouldn't it? You know, Benteke getting a goal in the first first few minutes. I think that will take a lot of the uh, the pressure off and people will be a lot more confident and enjoy the match. Well, anyone getting a goal in the first few minutes will take the pressure off. <laughs> well, OK, I think that's nicely leading us into our predictions. Uh, we've got all the information we need. Uh, each week, 
We're offering up our predictions on the score. And after two episodes, how many points do you think we sit on? Zilch. That's right. Zilch. Nothing. Last week, Lucy went for 1 0 to Palace with a Connor Wickham penalty, if I remember rightly. Yeah. Alex, Alex Ponge went for 3 0 to Spurs. And I predicted a 2-1 loss. Um, so come on, guys. This week, we've got to get it right. Well, let's see what the listeners think the score is going to be. Um, Chaz has gone for 0-0. A bit of a bore draw there. Matt Packham has gone for a 2-0 Palace win, echoing mine and Lucy's thoughts. Kevin Lyons, <laughs> I predict a right. <laughs> Obviously referring to the Wilfred Zaha transfer news there. Robbie Scotcher has gone for 1-1. Elias, Odias, Elias, who knows? Of Holmesdale has gone for 2-1 to Palace. At CPFC Pete, 3-1 Bournemouth. Blimey. And at Jay Greeno's gone 4-0 Bournemouth. There's, that's some right misery there. Finally, Guru Josh, or at J. Cole DZN. Oh, oh, who's our new graphic designer? Hello, Josh. Has gone for 4-0 to Bournemouth. We'll have to have some words in his ear. So, Lucy, I'm going to start with you. Tell me what the score's going to be. 2-0, Palace. OK, considering that, spoiler alert, that's going to be my prediction, can you give me some goal scorers to separate us? I'm going to say... Wilfred Zaha Ooh. and Christian Benteke. OK. Tom, your prediction, sir? Well, if uh, it had been Wayne Hennessy starting in goal, I would have gone for a 1-1 draw again because I just don't see us keeping another clean sheet with that man between the sticks. However, being very impressed by Steve <laughs> midweek, um, I'm I'm feeling quite, quite buoyant now and I think Palace will probably win this one 1-0. Not going to be, you know, a whitewash, but I think it'll be a comfortable, a comfortable victory. Right. I'm going to go for a 2-0 win, as I said. Um... And I'm going to be hopeful and go for a Christian Benteke brace. Um, yes, it would be lovely, wouldn't it? Um, and also, it is the game before the international break. And our record in those three games since we've been in the Premier League stands as two wins and one draw. Uh, we beat Sunderland 3-1 when Stuart O'Keefe curled in that screamer towards the end of the game. Uh we had a Wilfred Zaha goal, a last-minute equaliser up at Newcastle in the 3-3 draw. And then last season, that great day out at Stamford Bridge when Sacco actually resembled a footballer. Um, yep, so for me, a Benteke brace, and it will calm everything down as we go into the international break. Remember, guys, that you can still sign up for FanDuel. This week, we're pushing you towards the fan favourite contest. This costs £5 to enter, and the top 401 people can win anything from £10 to £750. You can sign up to FanDuel using the code PALACE. Uh, when you do that, um, you will be also automatically entered into our own mini-league. So, if you do get into that mini-league and you managed to beat the team run by Dan Fuel. You see what we've done there. Um, if you beat him and everybody else, we will give you an additional £5 to play with on FanDuel. Of course, FanDuel is gambling with real money, so if you ever feel like you are beyond your means, um, 
you should visit gamblerware.co.uk. All that is now left for me to say is thank you to Lucy White and Tom Fancett. Thank you, guys. Cheers. Thanks to everyone for listening. And remember to tune in on Sunday from 8 p.m., where the guys will be taking you through the Bournemouth review. Um, I think I'm on the show. Are you on as well, Lucy? I am indeed. There you go. Um, This preview podcast is obviously taking a break for the internationals next week. But remember, on Wednesday night, it is the Homesdale Radio Transfer Deadline Day special, um, where we're likely to announce that Kevin Doyle has rejoined the club. But no, you should definitely tune into that because... As tradition now dictates, we always seem to get um, Steve Parrish on the show, so it's always worth a listen, so remember to tune in. So, until after the international break, au revoir, guys. Bye. I'll be at design. Homesdale Radio, sponsored by FanDuel.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.